The Athletic. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Scottish Show. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Rangers ramp up their title charge, Robinson resigns and a horrible weekend for Hibs and Hearts. I'm Andrew Slavin and I was trying to think of someone we could get on to talk about Motherwell um, and then I remembered we've got the perfect voice every week for that. It's the senior producer from Motherwell, uh, Laura Brannan. Howdy partner. Hello. <laughs> We've also got with us, um, he was live blogging Rangers versus Celtic on Saturday for the Telegraph and giving his hot tactical take in real time. But JJ, did you know the Lanarkshire Derby was on too? You didn't miss a trick there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, work called. So <laughs> Yeah, work. That yeah. thing. The thing we all need in our lives. Yep. Oh well. Um, look, Happy New Year to you both. Welcome to 2021 with me. I'm glad to see the back of 2020, aren't we, Ali McCoist? What a year that was. That was a howler. That was officially one howler of a year. <laughs> People love Ali McCoist, the, the co-commentator. Oh, but um, he's but one of the best. Like He's genuinely one of the best co-commentators there is. Uh, uh, him with John Champion as well. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just so nice. Sometimes I'm a little worried that they know, because like, they know that it comes a bit meta, so they're doing the what they're expected to do. But it's nice when they do just actually don't play up to what they do and they do just do the nice little history bits. Yeah. Strange the, true uh, story for you. I set fire to John Champion's tie once in an ESPN really promo. I thought you were uh, going to yeah, say John I, Champion, which would be really funny. But <laughs> his tie. I had a blowtorch to his tie and he was genuinely terrified. Yeah. It was for a Scottish football promo back in funny the day. Funny isn't it? <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Um, look, 2020 was bad. We know that. And 2021 begins with the whole of Scotland going into lockdown um, until at least the end of January. Uh, so I wonder if Celtic will be allowed back in the country because they're in Dubai right now. Uh, but we'll get to that. In, in due time but later on we'll be dipping into Dundee and their Charlie Adam inspired revival but let's start with that wee game that happened in Glasgow on Saturday This is the Totally Scottish Football Show sponsored by Paddy Power It's Tavernier to take this yeah, and it's found a way in Arrivo helped it on whether it was the final touch I'm not sure but against the run of play Rangers lead and how quickly Stephen Gerrard's side were victorious for the second derby in a row and the 14th league game in a row as they went 19 points clear of Celtic with the champions still having three games in hand. Those are the numbers, um, but I think it's fair to say Rangers were, for the most part, second best in this game, wouldn't you say, JJ? Uh, The first half, yeah. I think Celtic played really well in the first half. Um, tactically, I think Neil Lennon. Well, it, it, weirdly, I thought on paper it looked like Rangers were going to dominate because the mm. way Celtic set up was going to allow it was a four-four-two diamond they set up in, um, and against the way Rangers play, which is a four-three-two-one, would mean that 
Um, Celtic don't have because they've got a midfield diamond would mean they don't really have anyone in wide areas to take advantage of the fullback positions which is what when we were talking about Hibs playing against them the other week um, what they did so well against Rangers was to exploit the space left behind the fullbacks to stop them coming yeah. forward so much but then that would have also left uh, three Rangers midfielders in the middle to take charge of the middle of the pitch so Celtic should in theory not have had any of the ball but it was totally the opposite and I think it was a lot to do with the, the wide forwards Kent and Roof they were starting too deep in the first half so whenever the ball came out to them they were wide which meant the fullback couldn't push up to go overlap them which meant that as soon as they got the ball all they could do was dribble and you'll see if you watch it back you'll notice that like Roof and Kent all they tried to do was dribble with the ball forward and they'd run mm-hmm. into trouble and then the rest of the team try and get up and it would be too late and they get to lose the ball but then second half seemed to be some tweaks not exactly sure what exactly what they were but after the red card the game was done <laughs> well let's talk about that red card I mean Laura do you think there should be any debate on this at all? Because Neil Lennon came out after the game saying that Christopher Ayer would have been back in cover and that Morelos wouldn't have had a goal-scoring opportunity. Yes, I mean, this ball came from down the, the right-hand side and Morelos basically got bundled over by Beaton um, and taken out in his attack. Um, there is an argument that Ayer, who was coming through the middle, would have got there on time. He was about in line with where the incident happened. Uh, to be fair, it was all quite far out from goal. Um, I don't really think Morelos was going to be shooting exactly from the, the, the spot he was on the pitch anyway. It was a moment of stupidity from Beaton. Um, I think he left Bobby Madden with no option. But I feel as though if that had been my team, I would maybe have been slightly incensed by the fact there was another player running in on, on goal at this point. So I maybe would have been slightly irked by that. Um, I can kind of see why there's a slight argument as to why it is not a goal-scoring opportunity. But I'm kind of sitting on the fence with it because I can also see the argument for it as well. The angle, I think, makes it really difficult because he's got to come at it from such a distance. What if he takes a bad touch, suddenly it's gone. I don't think it's clear goal-scoring opportunity, personally. Uh, interesting. I, I kind of think... when I you look at the... red, but also no. <laughs> so this isn't a moment where we can say like we were saying last week there was some crazy refereeing decisions going on um, but let's look back in the first half again because Celtic um, were for me surprisingly dominant because they haven't been dominant over Rangers in these types of games for a long time um, and got to highlight Alan McGregor for his performance in goal some amazing saves and a I do wonder if maybe he's cementing his sort of iconic status with Rangers fans as maybe the best Rangers goalkeeper in their history. What do you think, JJ? I mean, I'm going to go with what Ali McCoy said when he was on Co-Coms. I think he said he'd give Andy Gorham, uh, what was it, a 9.9, a McGregor a 9.85. As diplomatic <laughs> as you can be. God's sake. I love Ali McCoy though. <laughs> yeah, it's different eras as well. You can't really compare the two. I mean, what McGregor brings, I think we mentioned this before, is he brings that kind of uh, the madness that you want as a leader to teams like Rangers, that desire to win, desperate drive to win at any costs. Uh, like he does weird things, like kicking out of players, pretending to be injured out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, goes in really hard on someone, but when he gets a little bump, he goes down. It's all like really devious stuff that you hate when it's against you, but it's funny when it's for your team. Even even when um, even when he made that save for Lee Griffiths and he was saying to the referee, "I hit the post. I didn't save it." I mean, that's it. Like some some goalkeepers will often claim that, "Oh no, it was a corner to show that they, they made the save." You know, so they get attention. Sure. But he just wants to win. Also, he's genuinely a really good goalkeeper. Like he's had a decent career, McGregor. 
Um, he's a great when he played for Scotland. Um, the save from Griffiths for what, what age is he? I think he's thirty-eight or thirty-nine, isn't he? My word! So he gets up in the air and like they must. Can't be easy doing that, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean his athleticism is amazing. And definitely, I mean we know goalkeepers can can perform at a top level way into their later years, but that was that was um, pretty spectacular. Um, yeah. But do we do we think now that the the season in terms of the title is almost out of Celtic's reach, Laura? Do, do, I mean, it's it. Do we genuinely think now that it's you know Celtic? Do we think there's any chance that they could come back into this? I, I'm not. I'm not writing them off yet. I, I said last week when we were talking about our um, controversial um, predictions for 2021 that Celtic were going to win the title. Um, I don't know if maybe it's a part of me is just hoping that the the title race is still a thing because. I enjoy that being part of Scottish football and I'm quite optimistic that there's still a challenge going into the the latter months. But when you break it all down, Celtic have three games in hand, so that's nine points. They've got another two games against Rangers as well, which is another six points up for grabs. And that leaves four points left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's right. So Rangers have dropped four points so far in the first half of the season, which means, well, they can clearly do it again in the second half of the season. When you break that down, that's only two draws. And we've all been saying, look, these daft results will come against the, the teams we would never expect it to. It'll come when we're not expecting it. Um, yeah. And right now, I think mentality is <laughs> so big as well. Um, the, the mentality is so big going into the second half of the season. We've seen Rangers crash before in that sense. Uh, we don't know how Celtic are going to come back from this um, in terms of their mentality and confidence levels. I just think that right now we're getting so bogged down by looking at the table when there's so many games in hand um, that I think in a few weeks and months' time the table could look very different. And I'm not going to just write it off in January. I think it's too soon. Perhaps, perhaps. But I mean, it it, it begs the question then that Celtic, after this game, go out to Dubai um, for a week's uh, summer... Warm weather training. A summer um, of pints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, th- we've all seen this uh, picture of Scott Brown and Neil Lennon by the pool. We've all heard from David Turnbull saying that this is not a holiday. If they come back and lose to Hibs on a game that they rescheduled... Um, against Hibs' will as well. Remember, Hibs it, didn't it, want to. Hibs have lost three games in a row... I mean, it would explode even further among Celtic fans, would it not? What do you guys think? I've actually yet to see a Celtic fan even in support of what Celtic are doing right now. I think everyone is kind of in unison here of, this is incredible what Celtic are doing right now. It's just an incredible sense of entitlement from them to think that they can go away and do this, that there's no winter break scheduled. And I'm I'm, look, I'm, I'm so for a winter break. Uh, I see the benefits of it. Um, I think it's scandalous that the SPFL scheduled a season without one. But that doesn't mean that you go ahead and just make one for yourself when there's 11 other teams that would also benefit from having a break this weekend. Do you think that the other clubs don't want to have time to work with their players, have time to switch off, to, to work on tactics, to work on fitness, to, to have this sort of regrouping time? Of course other clubs want that as well. But that hasn't been allowed this season. And we're not all going to have that self-entitlement to say, well, we're going to give it to ourselves just for the sake of it like Celtic are. I mean, it's this This was agreed with the SPFL back in, I think, November. 
and it is within what Dubai is an exempt area that you can travel to. So both governments are aligned. It's, it's, there's nothing really on paper wrong about this, but it does feel like it's a massive kick in the face for everyone involved in football. Never mind Scottish football, and it's a bit bizarre. Um, and I just wonder if they come back and they lose against Hibs, it's just going to explode again for them. Um, there's also a kind of distastefulness to it as well when we're not even allowed to see our parents right now and they're just getting to, to go off to another country. Oh, we'd all love a holiday. <laughs> I mean, I would love to take some time off to go to Dubai for a few days. It's not going to happen, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll look at it. Look at the table. We can't. It doesn't lie. Rangers, 19 points clear. They win a game without even a shot on target. Um, it just seems to be going all Rangers' way. But up next, we'll be gauging the mood at your club, Laura. Motherwell. Welcome back to the ground. Tickets, please. Thank you, madam. And let's see, sir. Oh, sorry, no, you're in tier three. No, I ain't. We're in tier two. We're allowed to be here. You can't take away my freedom. Tier three of the stadium over there. Donut. What? Uh, by the donut stand. Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy Power's offers are at full capacity. If one leg of your four plus four acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds one to five on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. It's in plus begambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Done well to swing that in. There's Callum Smith. And it's 3-0 to Hamilton. Yep, it was a miserable week for Motherwell. It was announced on New Year's Eve that manager Stephen Robinson had resigned from his post. And then the Steelmen got stuffed by Hamilton 3-0 in the Lanarkshire derby. Uh, not the best week for you, Laura, I presume. Must have been tough. Yeah, it's just been a strange few days. It's been quite sad as well, I think. I think we're all kind of quite gutted by the news that Stephen Robinson decided to step away from his role. Was um, it a shock? Was it a, did, you, did you expect it at all? No, there was a shock. Um, look, we all know things haven't been going well with results and performances, but it's, it's unusual for managers to just to, to walk away rather than, than being sacked. If it's in that situation, that's normally kind of the, the normal way things go. I think for Stephen, he just kind of felt his time was up. Like we all, we all run our course in jobs. We all kind of get to a stage where we burn out and we kind of feel like we've, we've kind of had our time. Um, he wasn't getting the results or performances he wanted. So he, he stepped aside for somebody else to kind of come in, install that breath of fresh air, so to speak. Um, it's, it's sad because, I mean, everyone works closely at a club like Motherwell. Um, everyone is a very kind of tight-knit group between the departments and nobody wants to see anyone leave in that situation, especially not in the circumstances. So it was very sad. Um, he's done very well for the club, though, in the, the time he has spent with, with Motherwell. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, he said himself, uh, they've qualified for Europe, they've reached two cup finals, um, achieved a third-place finish and they've developed some, some good players. But, I mean... What do you think, JJ? Is it not, even with burnout, is it not a surprise to leave halfway through a season? Maybe, but then when you feel like you've hit the ceiling, it's probably a good idea to go. I mean, he wants to kind of protect his reputation, I suppose, because he'd earned a lot of good credit from last season. It should be remembered how well he did with Motherwell last season like, and what he's done since he came in. Like, he made them really hard to beat. They played horrible football, but they won games. Then he changed all that, made them really nice to watch played quite expansive, progressive football. And uh, this season, they've just suffered, I think, what happens to any Scottish team without 
a lot of money when you play that kind of football as teams sit against you and you can't break them down because you don't have good enough players. It happens all the time. And then to kind of beat those two other teams, you've got to be more of a counter-attack team, but then you can't do that because everyone's sitting against you and you're, you're, you're kind of screwed. But, I mean, maybe he's been sounded out for other things elsewhere. I, I, I have no idea. This is That's purely me making it up. But it might just be that he feels he doesn't want to harm what he's done already. Maybe. So, it's, I mean, Laura, it's a big opportunity for Keith Lasley, um, who's taking caretaker charge. Um, but that's a 10th game now without a win. And losing to your, you know, your your rivals and uh, Hamilton, which is maybe a surprise when you think how that both teams have done over the past few seasons, is he the best person for the job? What do you think? Like I, I can't really kind of comment on who I want to take the job or who I think is best for it, but I think if Keith Lasley is to be in the running for it, I don't think his application should really be based just on the results, um, especially not like the result of the weekend. Um, I feel like the club have got a chance to kind of look to see exactly what he's doing with the squad um, and base it on that. So it's a, t- a case of how he stepped up from the assistant role to the to the stand-in manager role, as it is just now, um, and how he conducts himself around the players um, and how he's he's kind of got the coaches taking training, how he, the tactics he's implementing, um, and just sort of that kind of how he's approaching games. Uh, I know he's kind of he brought in like Jake Casey, for example, um, to kind of go quite attacking on the wing at the weekend. Um, so the, the the board could look at it and go, well, is that a more attacking feel to previous weeks? Is that something we want to take going forward? And and do they really see evidence of him being ready to, to step up from the assistant role into the managerial role? So I feel like if, if he was to be in the running for it, that's the sort of things that he should be judged on rather than just what's happening on the pitch on a Saturday because there's no guarantee that's going to be an overnight success. It's not going to just... Like a switch, like a light bulb switching. It's it's not going to just be a miracle cure. Having somebody else step into the role, it's it's got to take time. Does he take charge of the under twenty? What do they have? Twenty twenty ones at Motherwell. Well, there isn't really a reserves just now because of yeah. COVID. Um, so nobody really has a, a youth team right now. We've but got before a lot of then, young was he boys. Doing it? No, he was there? he was assistant manager since Stephen yeah. Robinson took over. Um, and then Morris Ross had taken the youth team, and now this season he stepped into the third role, the, the mm. coaching role. And right now he's kind of stepping up to kind of take on the, the, those assistant duties uh, for the time being. We've um, we've heard uh, Tommy Wright's been muted in the press uh, this week um, as being a potential candidate for Motherwell. What do we think about him being at Motherwell, JJ? Do you think Such he's an the right easy character? man to name, isn't it? Just recently sacked, well, not sacked, he just left St Johnston. He didn't get sacked at all. That's right, uh, yeah. He did very well at St Johnston, JJ. He did very well at St Johnston, yeah. <laughs> It's too easy. I mean, it starts being kind of merry-go-round. But the problem you've got, right, you have the same problem at Motherwell that you had at St. Johnston in that to to get better than what you than where you are, you need to be able to spend money on players. There's no real budget. And then if you already know that the club are probably going to cash in or lose their very best players, like Alan Campbell and people like that in the future, and it must be very demoralising knowing you can't really take them any higher than you have. Like I think him finishing third, Robinson, last season, is about as good as any Motherwell manager can possibly ever do. Mm-hmm. Maybe win a cup, maybe, at some point, right? So Wright goes in there, and what's he going to do? going to change the way they play and make it, you know, they're very hard to break down St. Johnston. They were under Tommy Wright. And then, I don't know. There's some really good players there. So I think Motherwell is a good job for someone who's maybe young and wants to prove themselves 
to the kind of person like Lasley at the moment. Mm. So in the same way you look at, uh, I don't know, the first name comes to mind is Mikel Arteta, Arsenal, you know, someone who's an assistant goes in to become a manager when they're young. I think Lasley, was he 40-something, 41? 41, 41, yeah. Yeah. So that would be his... um, his first managerial job, no idea what his coaching style is like, no idea. I don't even know what his UEFA badge is. What's yes, he it does, yeah. And someone like him coming in would be quite good, but then, you know, he, what difference will he make having been under Robinson? You have to wonder what difference you'd get by bringing someone in because maybe that will freshen it up and it could be that Robinson wasn't getting the response that he wanted from the players he's got because sure. they're maybe so used to each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it depends who else is listed. So who's the, who's the, the odds? Ready. So you've got Graham Alexander is listed. Uh, Owen Coyle, of course, Owen Coyle is listed. Uh, Alexander <laughs> so, would be a good. Alexander would be quite quite a good one actually. You he did really well at Salford, uh, getting them promoted from the National League into League Two. Well, they um, had was lots more money than everyone else in the division as well. Yeah, they did. But like winning any competition is difficult, isn't it, JJ? You would know. Yeah, no, you have all the money. <laughs> uh, there's a few others listed. Barry Ferguson's been linked. Gary Holt. Gary Holt actually might be not a bad shout. Possibly, possibly. Um, just before we move on to Hamilton, because we, we do need to talk at how well they played in this game. Uh, three really good goals, but we did get a question for you, Laura. Runs House 71 asked us uh, on Twitter, can Laura Brannan tell me why Mother will wear white shorts on their home kit? It really bugs me more than it should. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell I mean, us, Laura. It's quite a boring answer. <laughs> it's more of a just a design choice. Like the um, mother, mother traditional colours back in like the forties and fifties was to wear white shorts for their home kit, um, and it sort of kind of evolved through the years into claret shorts. But I think this season, club just brought it back to their roots. I mean, the away kit this season's went right back to its roots with the blue, um, way back to the start when mother used to play in blue. So I guess it's kind of in keeping with that, the home and away, kind of turning, turning the, the clock back. I need to ask as well, uh, Laura, was Aaron Chapman doing a sit-in protest that Robinson resigning <laughs> for this game? What, the, what was he doing? Was he wasn't wearing his contact lenses or something? I don't think I'm at liberty to comment no. on that. <laughs> well, I'll be like, I mean, sure not. I Put me in goal and see what happens, my God. But... <laughs> <laughs> Boy Chapman and goal for Motherwell, an absolute like disaster. It's, Hot, it's a mean, shocker, it's, isn't it? Oh man, because the, I mean the XG in this game, um, uh, Hamilton point seven two. They shouldn't just really have scored one, let alone three. <laughs> 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 but uh, that's what happens when your goalkeeper has an absolute mare, um, as happened in this game. Like it's it should have been a draw. This really, it wasn't really that Hamilton dominated or anything like that. Nor were they clinical. It's just that they put balls straight at the goalkeeper and they went into the net. But how big is this? Uh, That's that your old boy? joke, isn't it? You say to the yeah. goalkeeper, you say to the goalkeeper, um, why are you letting those balls go into the net? And say, well, they're there to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, JJ, your boy Ross Callahan, you've been tipping him for the past few weeks to get into fantasy football. Um, a goal and assist for him. He's had a good few weeks. What a man! He's been listening to the podcast, filled with confidence. He's yeah, clearly. By it. I should have listened to you, JJ. I realise he's still on my bench. <laughs> I've not been on my team yet. I don't listen to myself. Let's move on. Last week, we called Livingston the hottest team in Scotland. How about the hottest team in Europe? Seven wins in a row in all competitions under David Martindale as they hammered Hibs 3-0 at Easter Road. For the Hibs perspective, let's talk to Stuart Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast. Stuart, it was a performance Hibs Talk described on Twitter as shambolic and shameful. Just tell us your thoughts and feelings thinking back about the game. 
Uh, there's probably another SH word that we could have used for it as well, <laughs> but um, uh, you know what? We we came into that uh, Christmas period coming up with uh, a 1-0 victory over St Mirren. We weren't great in that one. I think we maybe got four or five shots on target, but we got the 1-0 win. Looking into games against Dundee United, away to Rangers, and then at home to Ross County and Livy, it should have been a real chance for us to put some great points on the board. Losing a late one against Dundee United was a sore one. Um, Obviously, not any great time to go to Ibrox normally, but Rangers are in fantastic form. But the two games against um, Livy and Ross County were just absolutely appalling, uh, to be honest. Um, should have been a, a real opportunity to get some more points on the board, put some more distance between ourselves, keep an eye on uh, Aberdeen and Celtic even, potentially, without sounding too delusional. Um, but we, we ended up losing uh, on aggregate a 5-0 and it came down to, for me, Ross County and Livy, their teams just looked hungrier, wanted it more, were chasing us down, and, and they had a real drive to win, where we seemed to be really passive, no drive, no support, just just nothing powerful for us to get excited about. Who do you uh, blame for that, or who do you responsibility do you think it is? Um, does have to be looking at a little bit of the manager. We have decided to go for a, a smaller squad this year. I think we do have quality there, but if you talk to any Hibs fan, uh, I was going to say in the pub, but you know what I mean. Um, if you talk to any supporter uh, at Hibs right now, not one of us could tell you what our starting eleven is. And there's too much chopping and changing. Um, we had um, three changes from the Ross County game. We dropped Halberg, who I'm quite a fan of. I think it was a bit harsh to drop him back in, um, back onto the bench. But we saw nothing from the guys looking to step up and say, you know what, let's have a, a bit of a response to what happens uh, against uh, Ross County at Livy. And there was just nothing there. We seem too passive in our tactics. Um, this is something that we've heard in the past from um, supporters of um, St Mirren when Jack Ross was there. We've heard Sunderland guys telling us that, you know what, 1-0 will do a lot of the times, but they lost far too many to draws. Um, so I think something needs to be changed. However, it's important to remember we're only about 14 months into Jack Ross's tenure at Hibs. Um, he was the guy we wanted. I believe he spoke to Hearts as well, who were also looking for a manager when Craig Levine departed. And we did seem to get our guy. We do seem to be backing him, but we need to give him some time. Uh, I'm not a big fan of chopping and changing managers all the time. He's only 14 months in, and it's been a strange 14 months for the world, never mind football. And the thing is as well, like they're playing well earlier in the season, especially I thought earlier this season, I don't know if you think that. I think you suggested that teams might have figured them out. Um, there's also someone that uh, tweeted and asked um, our thoughts on whether potentially the players are burned out. I'm not sure about. I'm not sure about this personally, but Jack Ross, like you said, he said he wanted a thin squad. But I mean, do you think that because there's so few players to pick from, that the players maybe just can't get it on for the games? I think that's a fair point. Uh, going back to where you started there, we had a fantastic start of the season. I'm really thankful we were able to put a lot of points on the board, but the performances yeah. still weren't really there. We had uh, a great one away to Livy where we won 4-1, which seems things really clicked for us. That was looking great. Um, and at the start of the season, there was a lot of emphasis put on um, flowing tactics, changing formations, things like that. And that seemed to work well. We praised uh, Jack Ross for uh, changing up in the game versus Rangers when we drew two all at Easter Roads. 
we did well there. But now a lot of the players do seem a little bit lost um, from there. Are we trying to give them too much? I can almost be a fan sometimes of, you know what, let the players go out and actually play the game. And I, I, I do want to end on a bit of a positive because I know it's been three defeats in a row for Hibs. Um, <laughs> thank, thank, look, kick me when I'm down, thanks very uh, much. Well, I'm yeah. going to bring you back up again, Stuart, because uh, talk to me about Lewis Stevenson. I think in the next game uh, against Celtic, he could make his 500th appearance for Hibs and only four other people have achieved that at the club. Just sum up his, his career at, at Hibernian. Uh Lewis, um, there's a reason why we call him Mr. Hibbs. Louis has got two. Uh, first man in our history to um, get us the, the league and the Scottish Cup. Uh, yes, we are still going on about that, and I don't care. <laughs> um, um, but he's just been a consummate professional uh, for us. The, the young boys praise him coming through. We've got young Mackie, young Doig coming in. Both of them are saying how valuable he's been to bringing them on. He's seen off countless managers hitting 500 performances. You kind of have to. And every one of them have been picking him as their number one left back. It would honestly break my heart to see him leave the club and play for somebody else in a different coloured shirt or even worse, play against us. Um, so someone like Louis, um, he might not be the most glamorous of players. He might not have been number one on uh, most people's um, sign-up sheet for the start. But by God, if we could all be professionals like him, I don't think Scottish football would be anywhere near as bad a state as what it can be. Yeah, he joins the likes of Pat Stanton, Willie Ormond, Arthur Duncan and Gordon Smith. Stuart, thanks a lot not for your time, company. Oh, Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> It's also nine wins in ten matches and it was Livy's first win at Easter Road for almost 16 years. When is it going to end for Martindale? Is he going to end up with some trophies this season? Like I've been saying all season long, he's the next Alex Ferguson. <laughs> I think his first trophy is going to be Manager of the Month award. Yeah. Well. I think it was the first time since 2015 that a manager's won their first five out of five games. That's a great start. It's a perfect start for him. Um... And I think as well, when you look at the players that are scoring, it's, they're coming, it's coming from all areas of the pitch. You've got Mullen, Guthrie, Robinson, Manuel Thomas, Sybold, Forrest. The first goal here was really good as well. Oh, like, what a finish, really by the way, for play, Josh yeah. Mullen. And even the third goal as well was a beauty. I think as well, Guthrie, he's making a difference by assisting and scoring. And that's so valuable when you've got a defender that does that. When somebody who can make a difference and do his job at one end, but also contribute above and beyond at the other end, so invaluable. And they could be climbing further up the table because with two games in hand, they're only nine points off Hibs, so they're, they're knocking on the door for even a European place potentially. I mean, that would be nuts for Livingston. Fans must be absolutely loving it right now, considering where they were even just a you know couple of months ago when Gary Holt left the club. They're not into Europe. <laughs> living in Europe come on now oh it'd be class it'd be class listen coming up next uh, three premiership games that were less exciting than the three we've already discussed but don't turn away <laughs> looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Whipped into the box. I think it's at the back of Stuart Finlay, and then has it been carried over the line by Danny Rogers? Craig Napier says yes. An unbelievable end to this game. Kilmarnock were set to make it two wins in a row as they led St Mirren 1-0 in stoppage time at Rugby Park. And then, uh, who wants to take this one? Who wants to talk about Danny Rogers? <laughs> what was he doing? <laughs> he was trying to not put the ball over the oh, line. So so this is what, last few minutes, St Mirren's they whip the ball into the box. It's headed towards goal. Um, it's not even a powerful one. I, I mean, you could, I've not seen many angles of the actual header or something kind of in question over whether it was a striker was heading it or it was the Killy player was trying to intercept it at the time. I guess it's the player, yeah. Well, either way, yeah, it goes towards goal. It should be an easy one for Rodgers to catch in goal. He takes too many steps back and catches it over the line. Um, and the ref calls a goal and Rodgers looks absolutely shocked. How, how t- he's the only one that doesn't think it's over. So do you, do you guys think it was over? Yeah, I think it's definitely over. I mean, the player that's standing on the line is literally on the line. So the ball is beyond him. You've got to use him as a barometer here. Perhaps, I wonder. I mean, I, I kind of thought that, how could the officials be 100% certain that it had crossed the line? I don't know. It's so it's so tight, those calls, that you have to be 100%. I think we've not seen the linesman, linesman's angle. He's surely got the best angle on the entire pitch um, out of everything we've seen. I, I, from the angles I've seen, I think it looks like it's over. And I'm going to take his judgment on this that he's had an even better angle and he thinks it's over as well we, we've already seen we, we had goal line technology in the Scottish Cup final and we saw that um, work uh, in December JJ do you think that Scottish football should invest in some goal line tech yeah I do brilliant just get in <laughs> I think that, yeah <laughs> I mean I think it costs an awful lot of money is the only thing for what it doesn't look like that complicated a thing to really do I mean, there's a certain charm that we've all lost from a lot of games by having lots of uh, video stuff and technology involved in other uh, countries. But I don't, I don't think yeah. it's it doesn't cost as much as VAR. Um, I, I bet I, I bet someone's already invented another way to do it that costs like fifty quid and you run it off an iPhone. Like honestly, Look, I bet it's already a, been done. Stick a GoPro in the actual goalpost and get it hooked up to some sort of live feed, and they just rewind the tape. There you go. Um, <laughs> It's, it's a good point for St Mirren. I think they've only lost two of the last 15 games now in all competitions. That was to Rangers and Hibs. Um, they could be in for a, a top six place, the way that they're going at the moment, JJ, don't we think? I like St Mirren. I like the way they play. Uh, they have a decent... I think the midfield's really strong. McGrath, Doyle, Hayes, Nurhahon's a good... Yeah. I mean, it's not as good as... I mean, what will happen when they come up against teams like, I think, um, Aberdeen, Celtic Rangers, is they probably won't win. Uh, I see Aberdeen they could beat. Uh, ah, they're they're actually one of the better teams in the league just now. I'd love to see whether it's momentum. Same as Livy actually talking about them earlier. Um, something that Kilmarnock have none of. And I think uh, Kelly fans are starting to get a bit fed up with some of the stuff Alex Dyer's doing, not changing it soon enough, and maybe sticking with the same players for a long time, then making uh, substitutions, especially that some of the fans don't seem to to agree with. I don't have any examples right now, so that's not. A great bit of analysis for you. St <laughs> Mirren, though, yeah, like I said, I really like the way they're playing and I think they play some nice football and it's not necessarily either defensive or attacking, it's just quite balanced. Yeah, but really would have stung Alex Dyer to see that um, decision being made against his team. But, 
you know, he, he had to deal with a lot uh, in the week running up to this this game because he received a letter containing racist abuse and Dyer came out and said, it's just one individual that's come out and thinks they're brave and they're not. I've had emails, got a lot of letters to reply to. A lot of the managers have sent me texts, so that's good. I appreciate that. They're all behind me. Well, that's nice. I mean, Apart from yeah. the racist letter, which isn't nice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, where do these morons come from? Um, so we're not going to spend too much time on that because uh, we can talk about Ross County's draw uh, with St Johnston at Dingwall. 1-1 that finished. John Hughes starting to get things going after his win against Hibs in midweek. He's quite a positive character, Laura. Do you think he'll get them out of the out of the bottom? I, like I'm, I've kind of self-confessed big John Hughes fan. I think he is a great character. Um, and he's already making a difference as well. Was that a win and a, a, a draw? So four points in the, the course of a week. It's just a good start for him after, well, obviously the difficult start at Celtic. So that was kind of, we rate that one off. Um, these are valuable points. Um, I think this one against Johnson, I think the fans would have taken it going into the game. Um, it's one of these unpredictable games. You never kind of know which way it's going to go. And now I think he's got a chance to really kind of stamp his mark on the squad. The transfer window's opening. I think they're looking for a new centre-back, or at least that's the kind of calls. There's some some sort of defensive, fresh blood in that squad. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of stamps his kind of own look and authority onto the squad coming up the weeks ahead. There were some great saves in this game, I have to admit. Um, Xander Clark was maybe at fault uh, for, for the goal that he conceded, but he made two great saves in the second half to even keep it. 1-1. But that's nine premiership uh, games without a win for St Johnston. And this is after they went on an 11-match unbeaten run. So it'll be happy for a point, I'm sure, Davidson. But um, we think they're in the right kind of place, um, mid to bottom half of the table. Yeah, it'll take a while for them to really work out what they are, St Johnston. Like we've been saying, that they're okay sometimes. They're probably a bottom six team. But... The weird thing with that, there's a little group of them. It just takes a few results in a row for them to build a bit of momentum, which is what St Mirren have done um, and what Livingston have done now. And suddenly you think that they're looking more like the, the two that will get in the top six. It'll change a few times for the end of the season. Yeah, and it's, again, it's just that question of firepower that they have up front. They just don't have it. They really re- need to rely on a lot of players trying to chip in with goals because I think it was Chris Kane had a really good opportunity in the second half and he just fluffed his lines. I just um, don't think teams would create that many chances when they, they play with no. wing-backs with three, like the 3-5-2. I, I don't like it. Like Even like Sheffield United in England are the ones that I think has inspired a lot of people to do it. And they're but, bottom of the league. Well, they they have, they have the fewest shots of any team in the well last season. The fewest shots of any team in the, in, in England, well, the Premier League, I should say. Yeah, uh, they just create so few chances. It's really slow, and then you have to rely on your your wing backs, and it's really easy to take care of that. You see it in um, the way Aberdeen play, which is a good segue onto the Aberdeen nil Dundee United nil game. I like it, JJ. Another I like it. Continue. Another one you thought would be one nil to Aberdeen, but ended nil nil, deservedly so. Uh, the, the plus point is it's I think it's seven uh, seven games in the league unbeaten for Aberdeen and like I said last week in the podcast you kind of go into every game thinking Aberdeen won't lose you kind of expect them to not lose but there's nothing happened <laughs> well Lawrence Shankland cracked the crossbar yeah. um, and had a good good effort that was tipped wide from, from Lewis um, what do you expect with Curtis Main as the main striker for a good 75, 80 minutes, something like that. Bear in mind that Curtis Main was up against a 17-year-old centre-half that had to come in last minute because Ryan Edwards was injured in the warm-up. I mean, I mean, credit to, to, to Lewis Nielsen, um, 17 years old, and 
didn't look really out of place. I know he, he played a few games early on in the season. Um, it wasn't his debut in this game, but he certainly uh, marshaled the likes of you know veterans, Maine, and, and an absolute unit in Sam Cosgrove. But then Cosgrove didn't start, that's the thing. He didn't start, but he came on in the second half and Nielsen still had to come up against him. But it's Um, not even they had to deal with those strikers, honestly. It is that there was such low chance creation from from Aberdeen going forward. And they have the better players in almost every game they play, but they're not really getting to do it. It's only Ryan Hedges who seems to be taking the ball and driving with it. Scott Wright came on later on in the second half and he instantly made the team look much better. Johnny Hayes was good though as well. Uh, Johnny Hayes, no, Johnny Hayes is really one-footed, and when he plays as a wing back, he's not very good defensively, and he starts the he starts attacks too deep for me. So by the time he gets to the final third, he's already one v one or two v one with the with the opposition team, and then he has to cross the ball in, and he puts the ball in. His only main in the box to head it. This is not enough, and you're not going to score goals with just crosses, 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 especially when you need two forwards to be looking for the second ball in the box, and then they're just either too wide or too... It just relies on too much 1v1 for me when you're doing this. It, it, sometimes it works when you have right, when you have the right players there. When you had um, Watkins and Wright, and maybe Hedges, um, behind uh, someone earlier on in the season, it was kind of working because they, they float in and out of it. It's more of a 3-4-3, but... Nothing seems to happen in games. It's very dull. And I think a lot of my friends don't really enjoy watching Aberdeen play to the point that they would love to go to Tawdry. Everyone would love to go and watch their team play. But it's not especially good. But then Dundee United, you could equally say they set up really well and kept them quiet. You know, And they had the better chances, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was going to ask you, Laura, I remember you saying about Dundee United earlier on this season that they would be disappointed that they're not turning you know, a lot of the, the results into wins because they've been getting a lot of draws. Um, but they are still in the top six, and I think in their next five games, they're all up against sides that are in the bottom six. So it's a real opportunity to cement their place um, in that top half of the table. And under Mickey Mellon, they just they do seem to be a pretty organised unit. Do you expect them to continue in this this fashion? Yeah, I think when Dundee United is probably one of the worst in the league in terms of entertainment value. Um, but I don't think the United fans were complaining about that right now. They they know that their first and foremost their priority is to is survival. And when you you kind of look at the fixtures coming up, they've got a chance to actually do that over the the next month or so. Um, and once they secure that survival, you'd like to think that they'd then open up and be a bit more expansive and kind of relax a wee bit more. Um, and kind of go for it a bit and maybe turn these draws into into wins and have a bit more confidence going forward and not just playing just to secure the points and make sure they don't leak goals at the back. And we might see more of the Dundee United that we kind of all remember. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's they've scored the fewest amount of goals, but they are up against St Johnson, Hamilton, St Mirren, Motherwell and Ross County, who they haven't lost to this season. So it's a really good opportunity for Dundee United. Moving on now, because up next, fantasy football time. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Falkirk goalkeeper Robbie Much is top of the Pro League in Fantasy Football Scotland. 
Full marks to him for that. Uh, clearly spends more time on his team than he did thinking about his actual team name. Uh, much is a living, is what he's called. Um, what, what's your name, JJ? Uh, Considine with me. Uh, uh, Laura, what's yours? Brandon Athletic. As nah, in, I mean, as an Annan. You can't lean Robbie much and then not go into... Oh, no, it's Annan. <laughs> As an an that is really good, yeah. yeah. It's Bran and I'm Athletic. Wrong. <laughs> that was, yeah, I'm okay. just dumb, dumb chips FC. I didn't just stick a United on the end of it just for the sake of it. Yeah, <laughs> there was good. thought going into it. Very, very good. Livy's John Guthrie was star of game week 22 with a goal and an assist and a clean sheet in that win against Hibs. I climbed back into third in our league, which was good. Oh, God. Still a good... 80 points off of Brandon Athletic, though. I, I like most professional um, football people, I don't look at the table, I just look at the next weekend. <laughs> I uh, just look at my subs bench and the 11 points that I never got from Ross Callahan because I left him on my bench. Oh, no way. Disappointing. <laughs> yeah, but I did get 16 for John Guthrie, though, so can't oh, complain too much. That's a good, that's a clever little one there. Uh, you've you've um, tipped off a lot of people as well uh, by um, telling listeners to buy David Turnbull. Because they have been, he's uh, been the most bought player in the last two weeks. He's a he's a, a fantasy football dream right now. Surely player of the month as well. I mean, he's got what? Really? How many assists? Oh, come on, he's how many assists? How many goals? He's been. I don't know. You tell me because I don't think it's that much. Oh come on! I think it's something <laughs> like. I mean, I'm I'm not speaking statistically here, but I think it's roughly one assist and four goals. I think also you've got to take into consideration how much he's kind of kind of sparked life into to Celtic um, and kind of good point would you go as far as saying saved Neil Lennon's career right now Whoa. is he still there because of Turnbull <laughs> David Turnbull has saved Neil Lennon's managerial <laughs> career that's yeah one two three four five five games three goals and one assist doesn't include Europe um, have you guys got any other differentials differentials well um I still have Greg Taylor on my team. <laughs> I didn't get didn't start in the old firm. Uh, I've got McGrath at St Mirren. I think he'll be all right. I still think Clark is the your best little striker option. I I actually just put Clark out my team. He's he's not he's not doing it for me. Um, I've got very high standards. United, Nicky Clark, yeah. Yeah, Nicky Clark. I've although the thing is, I tried to sell him and then realised that with that budget of just under five million, there aren't actually that many great options. The options are Kabamba, Pittman, or Tony Watt. Um, yeah. None of them are really scoring for fun right now. Um, I decided know, to go for a beaker Watt, instead. Does, does Tony Watt know you don't have him in his team? <laughs> no, but I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> I know it's now. <laughs> no, I, I put a beaker in because um, so Mariner are playing Motherwell at the weekend, and Obika always seems to score against Motherwell. So <laughs> I'm hoping it's some sort of reverse jinx method where if I put him into my team, he won't score. Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Charlie, what has the weekend's football done to the Premiership title odds? Well, they huffed and puffed on Saturday, but they couldn't get on the score sheet. They couldn't find the back of the net. And Paddy Power have decided that that's that for Aberdeen in the title race. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) They won't win the league again. (laughs) I am shocked. You can no longer longer bet on any side to win the title other than Rangers or Celtic. Not even the Dons. Don't even try, JJ. They will not take your money. Yeah, we'll see. Laura, if you really believe that Celtic can come back, Paddy Power offer odds of eight to one that they will retain the title, but Rangers are twenty-five to one on to seal the deal and be crowned champions. 
I think it is on, certainly on. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop it. Big game outside the Premiership this weekend saw Dundee take apart Hearts on Saturday night to move within five points of the Championship leaders. Dundee fan and writer for the Scotsman, Alan Patillo, joins us now. Alan, there's been plenty of recent history between Dundee and Hearts. Um, we know what they think of Dundee. What did Dundee think of Hearts? Um, good, good, good question. <laughs> Throw me. What, what a first question. Um, well, obviously, the yeah, the the you know the, the relationship between the two clubs was, was ramped up in uh, I suppose in a, in a negative manner during the summer um, with the whole voting palaver. Uh, I can understand where the Hearts supporters are coming from. And of course, when, when the fixture list came out with the first game of the season being Hearts v uh, Dundee at, at Tynecastle, you know, that was back in October when, when, when passions were still very much uh, running high, I think, after the summer, after the voting debacle. And um, you could tell Hearts were very much up for that game, came out all guns blazing, uh, and as we know, 1-6-2. And there, there were a lot of lot of comments made after that game, I noticed. Even the, even the Hearts um, official website were engaging in sort of a, I suppose what they would call banter, um, with that, if you remember that meme, that meme from earlier this, or from last year, regarding, you know, where, you know how things are going now. And they had a picture of the, the league table with the Hearts at the top and Dundee very much at the bottom. So I thought that was quite interesting that, that the Hearts you know, official website even chose to get involved, which is quite unusual, I think. Well, maybe not so much these days. You do find that, I suppose, web, official websites do. There's been a bit of debate about that recently, hasn't there? But whether they should in, engage in kind of a banter between other clubs and, and fans, etc. But, but yeah, so that, that, you know, that, that certainly you know, helped keep things sort of uh, you know, tasty ahead of the, the, the latest fixture at Dens Park. And uh, I think you could tell from even the first minute on Saturday evening when... Uh, um, when Byrne went sliding into Stephen Naismith, that uh, Dundee were were not intending to to um, take things lying down. You know, the, the complaint was in, in that first meeting that Dundee were just uh, were blown away, and they, and they were, I think. So, um, but Dundee really, you know, had the bit between their teeth on on, on Saturday night, and uh, and got what I think, and what most observers would probably feel was a deserved victory. Two uh, two assists for Charlie Arden as well at the weekend. He's having a really difficult time of it. He's, he lost his mum just before Christmas, didn't he? But um, in terms of on the pitch, though, despite all the things he's going he's going through off it, he's been doing really well, hasn't he? Oh yeah, he's been a you know, a game changer. I, I I shudder to think what what Dundee where where Dundee might be without him in, in this this season. Um, I think it's sort of eight assists so far, I think, and um, however many goals at five goals perhaps. But he's been absolutely instrumental. And I think the great the great fear I think on Saturday night for for Dundee fans tuning in uh, to the to the, to the live television coverage was there'd been quite a lot made by James McPake I think in his press conference that, that Charlie was struggling and he he certainly certainly has been suffering with a thigh strain over the last few weeks. And I think that the, the the general feeling amongst Dundee fans was if if Charlie didn't play, then you know Dundee would not have would have no chance. In fact, I was even thinking when the snow was coming down on Saturday. Well, Saturday morning we woke up with snow, certainly where I am in Edinburgh, there's a lot of snow. And uh, I was thinking, well, that might be quite good if Dundee can get this game postponed until until <laughs> Charlie's back fit again. But no, no, I think it was a bit of a gamesmanship, possibly, from James McPake. And, uh, they, and, and I think everyone was, Dundee fans, were very pleased to see Charlie leading the team out. And that's another thing, I mean, obviously, he's, he's, he's been made skipper in the last few weeks as well. So he really has become such a, 
focal point for Dundee. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to hear his, his, I don't know if you saw his or heard his interview afterwards, and um, it, it means so much to him to be to be cap- captain the team he, he grew up supporting, and, and uh, it's wonderful to see, and uh, and the fact, he's, you know, he's being so um, influential on the, on the pitch as well. Uh, I, I asked James McPake after the game whether you're thinking of giving him a rest, possibly ahead of the, uh, during the Scottish Cup tie against Bonnie Rig Rose this weekend, but... He basically said, "No, you know, Charlie will want to play, and and, and uh, uh, you know, it's not a case certainly of Charlie saying he needs a rest. He won't. He will play. He's up for playing. McPake will make the final decision, obviously. But um, you know, Ch- Charlie Adam, you know, you, you could not, you can't get him to rest. I mean, he's thirty-five, I think now. He just turned thirty-five, but he's still, he's still absolutely just like a, a teenager playing for the club he, he loves. He's a joint uh, goal and assist leader." Um, as in he has 11 goals and assists combined in the Championship just now, which uh, is probably helping make Pake at the moment, especially considering what well, they started with one win out of the first five games under a lot of pressure. Do you think it's all coming good for him now? I mean, they lost 6-2 at Hearts as well at the start of the season, right? Which wasn't an ideal start, but it seems to be coming a little bit more the way he'd want it to be. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, James McPake said himself it was, it was slightly shambolic. I mean, he, he did make the point that, um, you know, before Tynecastle, I think Dundee just had one game prior to that. Hearts had been back training for a lot longer and they, mm. they were just a bit more prepared. Dundee you know, were unprepared. Then a game against Forfar Athletic um, cancelled at the last minute because of COVID and they were going into that game with one ninety minutes against uh, Broader Rangers. So um, they, they certainly were unprepared and you could see that from the, from the game, the way it panned out. Performances haven't been great subsequent to that. And um, I was looking back at the results, and there really was I mean, a game against Air United, we lost 2 0, and that was pretty shambolic. But that, I think that's probably been the, the only game when you could say that, that, that they really were um, very, very much below par. Mm. Uh, you know, I think they, have, they haven't been quite as bad as perhaps the, the critics have been making, making out. And I think a big, a big reason for the recent improvement as well is Charlie Adam. Obviously, um, Osman So um, up front, he's really come onto a game and looks looks the player like he was at Hearts, um, not the one he was at Dundee United latterly. And um, he's been he's been a huge difference and holding up the ball very well. Uh, and also at the back, um, Fontaine uh, Liam Fontaine, who's come in, um, uh, has been a game changer as well. I thought he was actually he was my man of the match against Hearts on Saturday night. I just thought he looked superb. He was he was like uh, like Jim Duffy in his pomp almost. I thought uh, <laughs> for, for older listeners, for older listeners, he really did um, keep the team together and kept kept the pack line on very much uh, gel. High praise. And, uh, yeah, well, yes, for me it is uh, certainly because Jim Duffy's my the best player I think I've seen it in a Dundee shirt in my time following the club. So, um, so yeah, um, you know, they, you know. So as I say, these kind of these individuals coming in and 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 have made a huge difference, I think. And, and Jack Hamilton too. I do have to mention Jack Hamilton, who's come through a very very sticky patch at the club, and um, again was one of the uh, potential man of the matches on on, on Saturday. With full lockdown in Scotland uh, happening right now, uh, we must say that football has been left unaffected so far, um, or for now, I should say. So it does mean that there's a couple of big games uh, next weekend, uh, starting with the Queen's Derby on Friday night, Queen's Park versus Queen of the South in the Scottish Cup. Two wins in a row, I have to add, for Queen of the South. Alan Johnson's side now off the bottom of the championship table. Um, it was a five-goal thriller at the weekend. And I must say, Corner Shields looking very much like Gareth Bale. Uh, <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> oh, my God. His, his winning goal was absolute class. Scottish Cup as well, midweek. 
You've got Camelon Juniors versus Brora Rangers. Excellent. Huntley, Fae the Shire against Cumbernauld Colts. I feel really sad with myself that I haven't seen some of these lower league, lowland league and highland league teams any. play as much. Yeah, I've seen Huntley. I actually. know, but it's so much fun. I think you can get away with it this season, though. You're not allowed to see them just now. Not to do anything. This damn virus! Don't make eye contact <laughs> with anyone! And in the Premiership, it's Aberdeen versus Rangers. Uh, are you looking forward to that one, JJ? Nope. That's all from us today. <laughs> see you all the podcast next week. Yes, thank you, JJ. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Alan and Stuart. And to the Little Kicks for this awesome theme song. That is it from all of us. And we'll be back next Tuesday. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.